Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, one of the key things that I've found has been missing in my life oftentimes is what I call an overcoming spirit. And you know, God has made you to be an overcomer, not a warrior, not uh, uh, somebody who frets and panics and, and gets anxious. He has made you to be an overcomer, a winner. And so it's God's perfect will that you be that overcomer. Uh, you need an overcoming mentality, something that rises up within you every morning that gets you up out of bed. You are God's prince, his princess. And you have no reason to feel like you've fallen prey to life circumstances, to bad situations, or that you're in a some kind of a vicious tailspin downward. No, you are an overcomer. So don't feel weak. Don't feel hopeless. Begin to find your strength in God. take a little bit of a break just for one Sunday, but you're going to see how what we talk about today dovetails into Acts 16, which in two weeks we're going to talk about. Uh, We're going to be looking at Acts 16, but when we get into Acts 16, we're going to talk about deliverance. And I'm just going to jump into Acts 16 just for a second and tell you this. Um, the Apostle Paul was walking through a city, and there was a demon-possessed lady, a lady that kept hassling him and telling the crowds who he was and what he stood for. And he turned around to this lady, and he cast the demon out of this lady. And we're going to talk about that in two weeks. We're going to talk about deliverance, about being set free from maybe not demonic possession, but depression, about a root that's in you that needs to be pulled out, all right, and and taken care of. Uh, You might be sick and you need freedom. You might have a mental struggle and mental battle and God wants to set you free. So in two weeks, we're going to talk about deliverance. But what I want to tell you today is in order for you to experience the deliverance of God, you need an overcoming spirit. You need to have an overcoming spirit, an overcoming mentality, a way of thinking that doesn't say, oh, I'm I'm overwhelmed by my work. I'm overwhelmed by my problems. I'm, I'm beat down. I'm tired. I'm physically exhausted. I'm fearful. I'm worried. I'm anxious. You need and I need an overcoming spirit. And today I want to share with you how you can become, begin to have an overcoming spirit so that you can experience the freedom of God that he has for your life. He doesn't want you to be beat down. He doesn't want you to be timid. He doesn't want you to be fearful. He doesn't want you to be overwhelmed. He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to be a winner in life. God never, ever asked his children to be failures in life. God wants you to win. And so that's what I want to speak to today is our natural inclination doesn't need to be, oh, it's too impossible. It's too difficult. It's too hard. God wants you to immediately look at your problem and say, my God is bigger than my problem. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There is nothing too difficult for my God and there's nothing too difficult for me either because he is my God. All right. He doesn't want you to be beat down anymore. He wants you to have an overcomer's mentality. So 
Furthermore, God wants you to be delivered. We're going to talk about that. And he wants you to begin to be an agent of deliverance to others. He wants you to begin to pray for people and see their lives completely transformed because God is listening to your prayers. But you know what? First things first, he wants you to be set free so that you can turn around and to begin to see other people set free through the power of God. So this is teeing up to that message that we're going to have in Acts 16. So let me tell you, first of all, about a man who became an overcomer. His name was Jacob. His great, no, his, his grandfather was Abraham. His dad was Isaac. And Jacob was quite an interesting person. Let me tell you from the get-go about his story. So Jacob was a twin, all right? He had a twin brother. And his mother, when they were both in her womb, she felt them tussling inside of her. And they were fighting, and, and, and his mother, who was Rebecca, I believe, she went to the Lord. She said, what is going on? There's something going on inside of me. And the Lord answered her prayer. Did you know whenever you ask God questions, he will answer your questions? And he said, woman, let me tell you what, you have two nations inside of you. And the younger is going to be over the brother. The older is going to be serving the younger brother. And sure enough, when they were born, the first baby was, as he was coming out, the second baby was reaching out, grasping at the first baby's heel. And that was indicative of their lives from, from that point forward. Now, the older brother was named Esau, and the younger brother was named Jacob. And, and so Esau, as he grew up, became an outdoorsman. He liked hunting. He liked fishing. He liked being out, outside. And he, he apparently was a good cook, too. He'd make good food. And his dad, who's really kind of sad, Esau, the older one, was his dad's favorite. While Jacob, the younger, was more of his mom's favorite. And that's a bad kind of dysfunctional family, right? Whenever the parents start playing favorites one with the other. And so uh, Jacob liked to stay in the tents. The Bible says that he liked to, he was an introvert. He liked kind of staying to himself. He didn't like the outdoors as much. But uh, Jacob was a schemer, all right? And he liked to figure out how to get things going in his direction. And even though he's quiet, you see a lot of, you know, just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you're, you're not scheming, all right? <laughs> and so one day Esau, his brother, came in from the outdoors and he was starving to death. And he said, Jacob, can you make me something to eat? I am so hungry. And you know what Jacob said? Jacob said, I'll make you, I'll make you something to eat, but I would like your birthright. How would you like to give up your birthright for a pot of stew? For lentil stew. But that's exactly what happened. The Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. Now, a birthright was his inheritance. It was his opportunity to be the leader of the family upon his father's death. He was going to lead his family. He was going to have his inheritance. But for whatever reason, Esau didn't really care about that. And he says, what good is my birthright going to be if I'm dead? I'm so hungry, I'm about to die. He said, here, you can have my birthright. Just make me some food. And I want to tell you something. we got to be careful with the things that we bargain and the things that we give up in life. All right? There's some things that you need to take, put more of a, 
a, a priority on in life and say, you know what? I'm not going to gamble on these things. These things are important. My relationship with Jesus is more important than my job. It's more important than my sinful desires. It's more important than anything else. I'm not going to gamble with this stuff, but that's exactly what Esau did. He despised his birthright. So the story goes on, and, and Jacob, a few years later, uh, his dad is getting old. It says his, his, his dad was blind. He couldn't see very well. And his conniving mother, can you believe this? His mother said, you know what? You need to get in before your, your father passes away. And you need to get his blessing that's going to go to your older br- brother Esau. And so here's what we do. All right. We, you're a smooth skin kind of guy. All right. We're going to put some hair on your hand. We're going to put some of your brother's clothes on you. And you are going to go and you are going to cook your dad a killer meal, all right? And we're going to steal that blessing from your brother Esau. So anyways, the whole, I won't give you all the details. Esau was not, not privy to all of this. He went out to go make his dad a good dinner and get his blessing. And while he was out, his mother, as I've mentioned, sent Jacob in and cooked him a good meal and came in and said, Father, I'm ready for my blessing. The Lord has blessed me. I've quickly gone out and, and gotten the kill, gotten the hunt. And here's what I want to give you. And his father, who was blind, says, you sound, like, you sound like Jacob, but you smell and you kind of feel like my older son. He said, come here, let me, let me pray for you. And he, as he did, he pulled him close. He could smell his older son. And he felt his hands. Who had, the, I guess, the, the fake something on his hands to make him feel like that he was his older brother. And Jacob stole his brother's blessing. And I want you, you can read it in, in Genesis 30, 31, and 32. You can read the whole story. But he stole his brother's blessing. This made his brother so angry that his brother said, I'm going to wait for my dad to die, and then I'm going to kill my twin brother for what he's done. He's stolen my birthright. He's stolen my blessing. And so Jacob had to flee, and he left and went to a foreign land where his mother's brother, his uncle, lived, Laban, and he stayed there many years. I won't go into all the story there, but he married there. He had kids there, and he prospered there. He prospered there, and he continued to be a supplanter. You know what a supplanter is? Continue to take stuff that really wasn't his by trick, by tricks. He'd take what wasn't his. And he, he grew prosperous despite, despite all of that. But the day finally came when he wanted to go home. He wanted to go home back to his brother. And, but he was scared to death. Have you ever been fearful before? Scared to death. You're dreading tomorrow. You're wondering what's going to happen. You may have made some bad decisions, and now it's payday, and you don't know what to do. So Jacob got all his flocks. He'd become very wealthy by then. He had a big family, and he was going to meet his brother Esau. He broke his flocks into three different segments and sent the first one on and told the shepherds, hey, when you see my brother Esau, say, this is a gift from your brother Jacob. And he said, maybe little by little I can dispel his anger and and defuse his anger and and make sure things are okay. And so he sent all his family and everything across this river. And that night he laid down to sleep and he had a strange experience. What the experience was is a man showed up 
and he started wrestling with this man. You can see this in Genesis 32. He began to wrestle with this man, and they wrestled all night long. And as Jacob wrestled with this man, he began to realize this ain't just a normal situation here. There is something divine going on here. The Bible says that the man could not overcome Jacob. But with one touch during the wrestling match, he touched Jacob's hip, and the Bible says that it wrenched his hip, his joint. And from that day forward, Jacob had a limp and probably had quite a bit of pain as well. Jacob said, as as the sun started to come up, the day started to dawn, he held on to this man because the man said, I've got to go. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And then we read in Genesis 32, 28, the man said to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, meaning a prince of God, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. We're talking about an overcoming spirit today. Jacob was told by God, you have become an overcomer today. Genesis 32, 28. Now, I have thought of this scripture, and I, we even talked about it on Wednesday night, wondered, God, what, what exactly is this scripture about? Do we fight with God? Are we supposed to get out there and battle in prayer and, 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 and you know, take all our energy trying to pray? Every time I think of that, it, it exhausts me. It makes me not want to pray. People say, you got to battle in prayer. you got to struggle in prayer. And I think of that, and I think, I don't want to do that. I want to rest in God. I don't want to struggle in God. So what on earth does this does this scripture mean that he struggled with God and he struggled with humans and and he finally became an overcomer? And it's to that topic that I want to share with you today. What does it mean that that he struggled with God and how did he become an overcomer? Well, when you look at the Hebrew word for struggle, it tells you some things. To struggle means not necessarily to fight. It means to persevere. It means to not give up. It means to persist. And interestingly enough, before it says that he struggled, it says, I have called you a prince of God. And this means that as a prince of God, with God, we struggle against sin. We struggle against temptation. We struggle against all these things that battle against us with God and with the identity of a prince of God, a child of God. You've got royal blood flowing through your veins if you've made the Lord Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You're not battling on your own and you're certainly not battling against God. You're battling with God. And you're following him, his initiative, into the battle for for you to go win your battles. Did you know your God has never lost a battle? He has never lost a battle. It says he struggled with God. He was on God's side. God is on your side. And you're struggling with God. And you are going to prevail. You are going to overcome with God on your side. Now, whose side is God on? Well, God is on the side of the person who's on God's side. There's a church here in town that often says, God is on your side. Well, if you're not living for God, God isn't on your side. (laughs) 
God is on your side if you're on his side. But if you're on his side, you can know he is with you. He is for you. He's not against you. He's making you more than a conqueror. Praise God, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now look at this, this same Genesis 32, verse 28. And I've become enamored. In other words, I've fallen in love with some of these literal translations. They take the original Hebrew, the original Greek, and they read the exact way that it would have in that language. Now, this is kind of old English, so it's got some thous and these and all that kind of stuff. But look at this. He saith, thy name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for thou hast been a prince with God and with men and dost prevail. Isn't that awesome? That's that literal meaning. And, and you know what? We as children of Abraham, the Bible says we're, we're Abraham's children. If we have faith like Abraham had faith. We're princes as well. We have God on our side. We're identified with Jesus. So here's what I want to tell you today. In order to be an overcomer, in order to have that overcoming spirit, persevere with God. Don't persevere on your own strength. Don't persevere in your own power. Don't get up and say, I'm just going to try harder. I've done that before, by the way. I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to try harder. No, you're not. That's a New Year's resolution that's going to fail every time. But when you say, I am with God, I'm persevering with him. He is going to get me through, but I am not giving up. That's when things change. God keeps telling me that over and over again. Steve, the only thing I ask of you in all this life is that you not give up. That's all I ask you to do is don't give up. Can you do that? Can you not give up? The answer is absolutely, you can do it. You cannot give up. But do it with God. Don't do it on your own strength and your own power and your own energy. So I read a couple of commentaries. Do you know what a commentary is? It's someone that's probably dead now. <laughs> As some people call them, the old dead guys, all right? And they've, they've read through the Bible and they've commentated on it. They've written their thoughts down. They've studied it closely, and they've given their their perspective on these scriptures. And so I'm going to throw up on the screen a couple of interesting commentaries on this Genesis uh, 32-28. One of them is is Barnes' commentary. Let me read it. Let's kind of read it together, we can. But here's what this commentator says. It says, what is thy name? And so you can tell this guy's old school because he's talking these and thous. But he says, he reminds him, that is Jacob, of his former self. Jacob, the supplanter, in other words, the guy through tricks and conniving got what he wanted. All right, that's what a supplanter is. He was self-reliant when he was growing up. He was self-seeking, but now he's disabled. His hip is out of joint. He's dependent on another. He's scared to death of his brother Esau. He's seeking a blessing from this stranger who he's wrestled with all night long. For all others as well as himself, no more Jacob shall be thy name be called, but Israel, a prince of God. That's what happens, by the way, when you say, I've come to the end of myself. I can't do this anymore. I'm not, I can't even try to do it. God comes and he says, all right, I'm going to give you a new identity. You're going to begin to be able to do things you've never been able to do before. 
a prince of God, in God, with God, in a personal conflict, depending on yourself, you were no match for God. But in prayer, depending on another, that is depending on God, you have prevailed with God and with man. The new name is indicative of a new nature, which has now come to its perfection of development in Jacob. Isn't that a cool set of thoughts? That is so rich, so wonderful. That's been blessing me this week. So an overcoming spirit comes with a new nature. Let me tell you what. You want to give up your old identity. You want to give up your old self. You want to stop thinking of what people think about you. Stop seeking man's praise and start seeking God's praise. Come into your new self that God has created you to be in. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I have a new nature. Now I can do things I couldn't do before. Why? Because I am set free from the old Steve. And you need to be set free from the old self as well. It's a progressive thing. It doesn't happen overnight. Look, Jacob was in, he's getting up there in years already when his identity started changing. It's never too late to change. And God wants you to, wants you to change. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. it says, Look at this. This should be hopeful to all of us. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them, an overcoming spirit in them. Praise God. He's going he's gonna to reach down in those deep roots that keep you. You know what? I get in my driveway and there's those little cracks where the cement kind of comes together. There, there's supposed to be cracks there. And grass and weeds kind of pop up. And then I, I reach down there and I faithfully pull them out. But the root's still in there. And the first little bit of rain or whatever comes and that stupid weed is coming right back up again. God reaches into your heart and he pulls, you, pulls it out by the root. Amen. Praise God so that it can't come back again. I've been praying this week after I spoke with somebody earlier on this week about pulling out. God, pull out the roots out of our lives, man. Get them out. I don't want that junk in me anymore. I don't want it to come back anymore. I want to be set free. But he puts a new spirit in us. Let me just share one other commentator. And this guy, I don't know who he is. All I know is his last name is Gills. All right. So, all right. So let, let, listen what Gills says about this. This scripture in Genesis 32, 28. So it says, and this guy was old school as well. So he's got some old, older English. But for as a prince, you have power with God and with man and have prevailed. I mean, we could just stop with that and that's good. As a prince with God, you have power with God. Did you know that? You have power with God. The name of Jesus is a power powerful tool, the most powerful thing in the universe. You're, you're facing temptation, let's say, even tonight. You get and you're, you're, you're peeking over the precipice of temptation. You say, in the name of Jesus, I'm backing away from this right now. And that power, that self-control is going to flood you and you're going to be able to say no like you've never been able to say no before. You're an overcomer. God has given you an overcoming spirit and you realize the tools and weapons that the spirit has given you. But it says, goes on, it says, this is given as a reason for his name, Israel, which signifies a prince of God, as we've already said, or one who as a prince prevails with God. 
he hasn't just made you royalty to sit around and eat bonbons and 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 do whatever you feel like. No, he's given you princely authority to do powerful things. And for our women, as a princess, princess authority to get things done. You can pray over your situations in the name of Jesus and see them turned around. Why? Because you're praying according to God's will. We're going to, we're going to talk about it. He now prevailed with God in prayer, and you shall prevail. It says, this transaction was designed to fortify Jacob against the fear of his brother Esau. And you have fears as well. You have anxieties as well. But God has given you power. He's given you authority. He's given you identity to say, you know what? No more fear. I was petrified with fear over something about two weeks ago. And I started standing up against it. It was, uh, it was a Monday type of thing. Do you ever have the Monday blues? You say, oh, I dread Mondays. Why couldn't it be Saturday and Sunday always, right? Perpetual joy and happiness of the weekends. But you know, in the weekend, you're dreading Monday, all right? And I started doing this. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke fear out of my dread. I, I rebuke Worry, anxiety, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. And you know what? It left me. And you can do the same thing as well because you are a prince of God. You are a princess of God. And we want our circumstances to go away so we can be happy. But God wants you to be happy in the midst of your circumstances. Free in the midst of your circumstances. So this was designed to fortify Jacob against the fear of his brother Esau from whence he might reasonably conclude that if he had power with God and prevailed to obtain what he desired of him, he would much more be able to. <laughs> what is that saying? You start rebuking fear in your life, you are going to be able. You're going to be enabled to overcome the situations that phase you, that are causing you that fear. God is going to cause you to prevail, not just up here, but out here in your life. He is going to do it. Powerful thoughts by this commentator. So just to finish up here with a couple of thoughts of, of Jacob's grandfather. That heritage, that godly heritage was flowing down from his father now directly to Jacob. And praise God, you might say, well, I don't have much of a Christian heritage. My parents weren't Christians. My grandparents weren't Christians. I don't have any Christian anything in my family. Guess what? God is your father, and his heritage is flowing directly to you. You don't even have to have a wonderful godly lineage. God wants to, he can go directly to you and say, you're my son. You're my daughter. What I have is yours. You can begin to appropriate what God has given you and say, it's mine. I'm going to take it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to enforce things in my life. Praise God. But look at this in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, about, again, Jacob's grandfather, Abram, at that time. The Lord said to Abram, Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to a land I will show you. What was he telling him? He was saying, it's time to leave your old identity. Time to leave your old connections. Time to leave your old habits. Time to, to leave your old mentalities. Your, your, the spirit of timidity that you've had. It's time to leave and start being the man or woman of God that I've called you to be. Is it hard to leave? Yes. 
because that's where we've been comfortable. That's where we've settled in. That's where we've settled down. But God's saying it's time to uproot from where you're at and go to a new place that I'm going to show you, a better place that I'm going to show you. He said, what? I'm going to promise you something. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I can't think of a better blessing than having an overcoming spirit. Oh, you go in the power of God. You go in the obedience that God is telling you to go in. God's going to start blessing you. Not just spiritually, physically. In un- amazing things. When you start going God's way, God's going to start blessing you. He's going to give you an overcoming spirit. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. And here he's saying, not only am I going to set you free, I'm going to let you start setting other people free around you. I've called you to deliverance. (laughs) I'm going to show you how to be a fisher of men and how to set people free. Praise God. Reminds me of Joshua 1, verses 3 through 6. I hope this is encouraging somebody today, by the way. I hope that somebody is saying, you know what, I'm going to walk out those doors, not beat down, but standing tall and strong with an overcoming spirit. I hope that's everybody. I hope you, I hope you didn't, I'm not hoping that you walked in down here, but maybe you did. Maybe you walked in lower than a, snook's, a, snake, a snake's belly, all right? And you walk in soaring out with wings as eagles. I pray that that's the case. Look at Joshua verses one, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through, through 6. He says, God's talking to Joshua. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And I've been learning this lately. You know, We're walking in places I've never walked in before. I'm doing things I've never done before. I'm, I'm petrified sometimes, like, what am I doing, God? How is this going to work? I've never been here before. And God says, get up out of bed and just start walking. As you walk, I'm going to empower you to do things you've never done before. I'm going to open doors that, that if you're not walking towards the door, the door's not going to open. So you get up and you say, you know what? I'm going to take one foot, one step at a time today. And I'm going to start heading in the direction I believe God wants me to head in. And as I walk, that door is going to come open for me. As I start spreading my wings, the the breath of God is going to just lift me up. You know what? We got to learn that every day you just got to get up. Just got to get up. You just got to start going. And as you go, the steps of a righteous man, the steps of a righteous woman are ordered of the Lord. But you got to take steps. You got to take steps. You got to start in the right direction. He says, every place where you set your foot, you got to set your foot somewhere for God to give it to you. So set your foot, start moving, start going, and God is going to direct your steps. He says, as I promised Moses, your territory will extend. The territory of your family. You've been praying for that child. You've been praying for those grandchildren. You've been praying for that friend. God's going to give you that territory. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep being a prince of God and working with God. And God is going to give you that territory. It's going to extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. That's a prince. That's a princess of God. No one is going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with you, as as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I'll never leave you. 
I will never forsake you. Only be strong and be courageous. In other words, have an overcoming spirit. Have an overcoming mentality. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of timidity, of fear, excuse me, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's an overcoming spirit. That's describing an overcoming spirit right there. The literal emphasis translation, and translation I've never read before in my life, but I saw this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but rather of power, of love, and a sound perspective. I love that because God has been dealing with me. Steve, I want you to start seeing things from my perspective, not from your perspective. I want you to get up here, and I've been seated, I've seated you in heavenly realms with my son Jesus. I want you to stay up here, and I want you to start seeing things from my perspective, not from your own. What does it take to be an overcomer? Is to get up there with God and start seeing how powerful he is. How broad his influence is, how strong his arm is, how great his resources are. See things from God's perspective, man. You're going to be a winner if you do that. I've said this before, but if you drive by the practice field there at UTEP, the football field there at UTEP, they have this this staircase like stand where all the coaches get up. There's about two and a half stories high. And they get up there and they watch the plays materialize as they do their practices on there on the field. Get up there with God, the coach, and see things where how he sees things. And stop being so beat down. Say, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can do anything with God's help. Get up where he is at. Get sound perspective. So you say, God, how can I, how can I get this overcoming perspective? You got to do one thing. You got to ask for it. Just ask. Say, God, I want an overcoming spirit. I'm tired of being fearful. I'm tired of being a victim. I'm tired of being beat down. I'm tired of I can't, I can't, I can't. You know what? I want a godly overcoming spirit from heaven. He said he didn't give me a spirit of fear. He said he gave me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I want it. God, give it to me. I want it. Can I have some, God? (laughs) Cry out to God. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Start asking God, calling out to God, saying, I need to be more of an overcomer. I'm tired of being beat down by my circumstances. I'm tired of my temptations getting the best of me. I'm tired of tripping and falling. God, give me an overcoming spirit. You know what the Bible says? Ask and it will be given to you. Good news is God wants to give it to you. He's just waiting for you to ask, to get desperate enough to say, I'm going to let go of all this in order to take hold of all of that. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15 says, This is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, in other words, an overcoming spirit, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we ask of him. I'm telling you, I don't know about you. I hear what I'm saying today. I'm walking out those doors. As soon as I get in my car, I'm saying, God, give me an overcoming spirit. It's your will that I have it. I'm tired of being the tail and not the head. <laughs> as, as Genesis, what is this? Uh, what, what's the, the favored uh, Genesis? 
Uh, Deuteronomy 28, that's what it is. Deuteronomy 28, the blessings of God. He doesn't want you to be the tail. He wants you to be the head. Get out in front and not be strung along all the time. But in Revelations 12, 11, I promise this is the last scripture. It says, they overcame him, who? The devil, the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives uh, so much as to, to, to flee from death. So how do you overcome? First of all, you ask, but this scripture gives us three, three steps here. First of all, you walk out and you say, I'm a Christian. I'm a son of God. I am therefore an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. I'm not an overcomer because of anything that I've done. I'm an overcomer because Jesus has already overcome. In Colossians 2.15, it talks about how Jesus disarmed powers and principalities, made a public spectacle of them by the cross. You are already an overcomer. You just don't know it yet. (laughs) If Jesus is living in your heart, you are already an overcomer. So that's the first step is saying, I stand here as a declaration of faith. I am an overcomer because of my father, not because of I'm a good person or a bad person. No, the blood of Jesus declares that I'm an overcomer. So that's step number one. Step number two is that very declaration, the experiences in life and saying, God, you healed us and so 30 years ago. I may not have seen many miracles in my life, but I remember that one. (laughs) All right. I've had a crummy year, Lord God. I want to start seeing miracles every day. I won't even tell you what to do, God, because I'm not supposed to tell you what to do. But you know what, God? My experiences tell me that you are an overcomer, and therefore I'm an overcomer as well. And I'm going to make a declaration of faith that in Jesus and through Jesus, I'm going to start being an overcomer. My mind is going to change. My spirit is going to see things differently. I'm going to start acting different. I'm going to start walking different. I'm going to start talking different. I am going to become the person that God has already told me that I am. Praise God. All right. The word of their testimony. Start making declaration. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to lose anymore, God. By your, by your grace, by your mercy, I'm going to stop losing in life. And I'm going to start winning in life. I'm going to be an overcomer. And then the last one that's just unbelievable is is they did not love their lives to their deaths. In other words, they didn't love their lives so much that they clung to their lives. And I'm telling you, it's time to start dying to ourselves. Why are you suffering? Why do you have a circumstance that's beating you up? Because God is trying to get you to die to yourself. You can't live a life to Jesus if, you're, if your flesh is alive and kicking and doing whatever it feels like doing. So when, when, when you're presented with suffering saying, I'm willing to die to my old self through this, suffer, this event of suffering, and you just start the dying process and accept it. Say, I'm, I'm going to die to my temptations. I'm going to die to my tendencies. I'm going to die to my identity. I'm going to die to the praise of man. I'm going to put my old self aside. And as you do that, you're going to become alive in Christ Jesus and an overcomer like you could have never dreamed. Never dreamed. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every lie that's coming into our minds right now that would refute the truth of God. Heavenly Father, 
I, I, I call on the name of Jesus right now in this room. And anybody who listens to this recording afterwards, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let there be freedom to be the overcomers that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that blind eyes would be opened, that deaf ears would be opened, that hardened hearts, Lord, would be loosened up, Lord Jesus. Praise God to receive the truth of God. Lord, God, prepare our feet, Lord, to walk in your paths, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. To embrace the straight and narrow path that Jesus has called us to walk in. 